Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, welcome back in to another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast. I am Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit, joined as always by 985 The Sports Hub's Alex Barth. And it was a busy day at one Patriot place today in the Patriots world. The Patriots are back on the practice fields for their first day of mandatory minicamp, but there are also a handful of roster moves. Uh, they released running back James Robinson and cornerback Tay Hayes, and they signed undrafted free agent Justice Tavai, who was with the team. He wasn't with us for OTAs, was he? he I think maybe one of them. One day, so they brought him back in the fold. And they also have a workout with offensive lineman DJ Fluker reportedly on the radar. So some roster shuffle today. It brings the roster to 88 on our count. So what you got out of those moves from today? So Robinson, I'm I'm not that surprised. Uh, he was obviously the odd man out of the running backs when we were watching in practice the first few days. I know people got all worked up about that contract at the time, like two years, four million, whatever it was. There's 150,000 guaranteed. It's going to leave them with nearly no dead money. They might end up with no dead money if it ends up being in an injury settlement. Because remember, he's still sort of recovering from that torn Achilles. Tay Hayes, depth secondary player. That one doesn't surprise me much. Bringing back Justice Tavai, I, I I don't see the spot for him. They're really deep on the defensive line. Maybe this has something to do. And I, did we get to it in the open there with Lawrence Guy's holdout? Because yep. I think they're similar players. I don't think he's going to take all of Guy's snaps, but maybe just getting another guy of that skill set in the building. Uh, so that's on all that. Fluker, I can't believe I'm at the point where I'm actually sort of into this idea, but I am. <laughs> Guy's been out of the league essentially for two years. I get that he got his body back in shape, and he looks great, and credit to him yeah. for putting all that work in. But If you haven't, go look at those those off-season workout videos. I yeah. Was, just search, like, DJ Fluker on Twitter. And- if you search DJ Fluker on Twitter, it's, it's also in my post on 98.5thesportshub.com. Yeah. But, I mean, the guy's in great shape, but, he, you know, he hasn't played in two years. Last time he played, he had to get moved inside to guard. How good is he really going to be? But at the same time, their tackle position kind of just feels like they're throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks. And if that's what they're going to do, well, you, you might as well get as many swings at it as you can, right? You know, why, why maybe, I don't want to sound like a degenerate gambler, but why stop here? <laughs> if you're placing all these bets, why not place another one? And Fluker can play some guard too, some right guard too. So that helps, you know, Michael Owen, who's coming back from the, from the ankle injury, or if, and we've talked about this at length, if they want to maybe play him a tackle. I can't imagine he's going to cost much. He's already had meetings with other teams. I know he met with the Eagles, so it's not like they're banging down the door to get him. Why not bring him in? Where's the Where's the harm in that? What could possibly happen? So I don't know how the workout went. Certainly seems like he left without a contract because the report was the workout was this morning. Bill Belichick was kind of just like, yeah, we work out over 100 mm-hmm. players a year. He, he wasn't getting that into it, but sure. Why not? I don't love where their tackles are at right now. I don't think DJ Fluker fixes that, but why not get a look and see? Maybe he can help you out because they are going to need help there at some point. And he is, he was a Bama guy first overall. Bama guy, yeah. First, so he was round pick too, right? So he's 11th that. overall pick yeah. by the Chargers in 2013. Was mostly a starter at, at right tackle until his last year in Pittsburgh in 2020. He moved to right guard. In 2021, he was on a couple practice squads. He never played an NFL game. And then last year was out of the league entirely. 
I think really dealing with that weight issue. Alabama guy, he worked out at the Alabama Pro Day after he, that was kind of where this whole story began was they let him work out at the Alabama Pro Day, even though he's 32 because he's trying to get back, back in the league. But yeah, I mean, you might as well see what you have in him. You know, I don't think he's that different from like a 34 year old Riley Reef who struggled at times last year. Calvin Anderson, who's never really started consistently in the NFL. Might as well take a look. I don't know that he's going to be the answer, but I want as many shots at this thing as they can get. Yeah, and that tackle position kind of feels some like we might start to have a little worry there. And so we'll you know we'll get to Trent Brown, but you know, bring Fluker in, just see what you have. Can't hurt right. at this point in the stage. One other note, James Robinson, you mentioned maybe it's an injury settlement. This is the time of the year where they do um physicals. So maybe something popped up on a physical that led to that yeah. and he was limited it's it's probably that achilles is just killer for running back so i'm i'm guessing that's where that came from but they have a lot of depth there still and the contract didn't guarantee anything so not a huge loss there but the roster moves bring us to 88 so they have two open spots maybe fluker takes one but they also freed up a little bit of money cutting James Robinson. I think Miguel had it right over a million or a million and a half, something in that range I saw. Yeah, he only had 150000 guaranteed, and, and Andrew Callahan said he might not have even hit all of that. So. Yeah. so they free up a roster spot. They free up a little bit of money. and We know someone's expected to visit, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he was on his Instagram story. He posted he was in Tennessee – Last night, I believe, they sent him the nice van, the tripped-out van to pick him up from the airport and everything. So we don't know if he has left Tennessee yet, but Bill Belichick did confirm today that they are talking to him. They have been talking, as we've known, with him. But he wouldn't get into the logistics. He is not a travel agent, as he said. So we don't know. <laughs> when DeAndre Hopkins will be here, but he is in Tennessee right now, and the Patriots now have roster space for him. The, the bigger issue for me, like, so Bill cited there being some, Ben Volan asked him the question, you know, the, there, there's a report he's visiting on Tuesday. Is that true? And Bill kind of, in a roundabout way, and he did use the word logistics at one point, but he said with the logistics, he doesn't know when he's visiting. He said they have talked to him, but he doesn't know when he's visiting is the logistical issue that he's already signed with the Titans. And we just don't know yet is the logistical issue that he's suddenly decided he doesn't want to come visit here. Like who knows? I, I, I'm not, they got to get him in the building, right? They they've got to get him in, in the building before we start talking about this visit. Like it's a done thing. So we'll see what happens, but I, I'm, I, my opinion hasn't changed. They need a number one, they need number one wide receiver. He is a number one wide receiver. I think he'll be relatively affordable. They don't have to give up a draft pick. Go get him. Go pay him. Yeah. Get him in the building and don't let him leave. Right. And if you want to, you know, transition this into today's mini camp, they kind of need some wide receivers because, and we'll start with mini camp. It's basically an extension of OTAs, no pads, no contact, all that stuff. So, but when we get out there, one of the first things we look at is who is not there because this is mandatory. That's one of the biggest difference from OTAs, which is optionals. And Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyquan Thornton, who were reportedly dealing with injuries, not out there as we kind of expected. But maybe this, again, we need some 
receiver talent if these guys aren't going to be ready. So D hop. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's two separate things. I don't know how much DeAndre Hopkins offsets Juju Smith-Schuster not being at minicamp. I, I would assume yeah. Juju's going to be ready for training camp. If he's not, that becomes another much bigger story because it is important that him and Mac Jones build chemistry. He should be Juju, the most targeted pass catch from the Patriots offense by a lot. So you want to make sure him and Mac Jones are on the same page. So, yeah, I, I I don't think there's a ton of overlap there, but it is a story that Juju and Mac haven't been on the field yet. I think you do want to see them together. And when you get to Thornton and Mike Reese reported over the weekend, he's dealing with a soft tissue injury. Didn't say upper body, lower body, whatever, but just some sort of tissue thing. Like this was one of the big questions coming into the season for Thornton. Can he be available in his size and all of that? And he's already banged up. So your number one receiver is going to come in behind schedule into camp. The guy you're counting on for breakout is already hurt. I've said this before. I don't mind the wide receiver group they have right now. It's fine. But the margin from going to fine to being a problem is very thin. You add a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, you feel much better about that group. So it's not that they can't overcome everything that's going on right now, but they have no choice but to overcome it, right? <laughs> There's not a ton of wiggle room there. You bring in Hopkins, he's going to give you enough that yeah, if it takes Juju a couple weeks to get going, I think that that becomes a little bit easier to swallow. If Thornton doesn't have that massive breakout, right, that like 800-yard season, five to 800-yard season we're all talking about, it becomes a little bit more palatable if you have DeAndre Hopkins doing his thing at the exposition. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's minor issues right now, but when you're just skating that razor-thin line, those minor issues can become major issues very quickly. And Max said again after practice that Juju, they've worked with Juju. He seems around behind the scenes, you know, getting into the offense. But, you know, this is your big investment so far of the offseason. You would like to see him out there right now. And, you know, with that knee injury that from the playoffs, it's unfortunate that he's not out there and he's not getting this work in. So, again, that that thin line they're kind of walking, it's, it's where they're at right now, to be honest. Right. And the big absences of the day, um, Trent Brown, who there were reports that his flight was delayed from Texas, was it from Texas, I believe? Texas, a, yep, North Texas. Because of a hailstorm. So that's where Trent Brown apparently was. If you want to read into that more or not, you know, guy maybe not be happy with his contract or whatever, but. He wasn't out there today, and they were rotating Reef, Calvin Anderson, Connor McDermott, those type of guys we've seen, but it doesn't look like a holdout for Trent Brown, which you know people might have thought he should have been here in OTAs. He's not a lock for a roster with his cap hit, so but he wasn't here. So but maybe we'll see him. It sounds like we'll see him tomorrow or Wednesday at some point. Yeah, hopefully, because I, I want to see what this offensive line looks like already. I, I want to see the picture, right? And we can't see it till Trent Brown's here. We saw a couple different permutations today. I think it was the first time we've seen Riley Reef at left tackle and team drills. It wasn't a lot, just very brief, a uh, few snaps. But we tackle is the biggest question mark for this team right now, in my mind. It's not receiver. It's not quarterback. It's not safety. It's tackle, offensive tackle, both of them, left and right. And it's hard to gauge just how much of a question mark it is 
without having the full picture. Is Trent Brown going to go in at left tackle for Calvin Anderson? Is he going to go in at right tackle for Riley Reef and Connor McDermott, who have been rotating there? Is Do they not know where he's going to be? And they're going to try him at both spots and see which combination of five works better. There's three different permutations there they could do. Maybe four. Maybe he's on the right side and, and Riley Reef's on the left side. We don't know until we see it. And you want to know already. And I think to, to an extent they want to know because they want to start getting the communication down there on the offensive line. So it's good to know he's not holding out, right? It, there is one holdout, which is Lawrence guys, which is weird, but um, it's good to know he's not holding out, but boy, like I, I can't wait to see him at practice. I want to know what this offensive line looks like already. Do you think him missing today can, can hurt him in any way? Can Bill be like, like, I know it's a delayed flight, but Bill might say you should have been found a yeah. way. So yeah. do you think I mean, they got hurting? mad at, they got mad at Malcolm Butler a while back. He, his flight got canceled because of a tornado. And they were like, well, you should have been here. Yeah. And we all know the stories about the snowstorms, right? And <laughs> so, no, that, I'm not saying it should, but it absolutely could hurt him. I think that what helps him is they're so desperate at the position and the drop off from him to the next guy at either spot is so significant that maybe he catches a small fine or something. But they, if they're going to like allow this to take him out of the lineup, they're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. Cause I mean, we started talking how they might need DJ Fluker right now. So that's where they're at with the tackle position, but the one holdout, which we just noted, which was surprising was Lawrence guy who 30, 30, 33, 33 years old, 33 years old. He's got two years left on his deal. He wasn't here for OTAs, and we just kind of figured, you know, he doesn't need to be here. He's a veteran. He's a team captain. He's their community service guy. And then all of a sudden, Mike Reese says today that he's holding out for a contract dispute. And he's got two years left on his deal. I think his base is $2 million this year. He doesn't have any guaranteed money on next year, if I'm correct. So that's their one holdout, Lawrence Guy, and Definitely a surprise. So I will say if they do move on from Lawrence guy, they open up like 2.6, 2.7, 2.8, something like that million dollars in salary cap. I guy last signed his extension 2021. It was a four year, $12 million deal. I, I say this completely guessing. Uh, there's no inside information here. There's no, none of that. This is just me guessing. Lawrence guy's 33 years old. He's had a long, successful career. He doesn't have any guaranteed money this year. He had a down year last year. I wonder if he's looking at this and wondering whether or not he wants to play again and is considering retiring and, and sits there and says, well, I don't know if I want to play or not, but if I'm willing to walk away, I might as well see if I can get some more money right before I do that. I, I Occasionally players do that. Now that's, he's not really the kind of guy I think who would do that, yeah. but I also didn't think he was the kind of guy that would hold out period. So um, that's just a guess for, for whatever it's worth, but. Um, yeah, it's an odd, odd situation. And the reality is they draft Keon white. Who's a guy who can play a very similar role to the one that Lawrence guy did. Like I, I was considering Lawrence guy as a surprise cut when I was doing my Ross projection before OTAs, before we knew he was absent at all. But I kind of figured, you know, he's an important voice in that locker room. He's a trusted leader. He does a lot in the community. They're going to find a way to keep him. If he's not going to be here, I just don't see, I don't think he has a ton of leverage here in this lockout, unless they're in this holdout, unless there's something we don't know going on behind the scenes. Right. I just, I don't see where his leverage is. So I think either he comes back on his current deal for training camp or he's not here next year. I don't mm -hmm. think he gets any more money from the Patriots. 
and he's missed you know, he's missed games two of the last three seasons, right? Like he hasn't been a healthy. I mean, he's been there most of the time, but there has been some injuries that have cost him games. So it's not like he's a you know one of these key guys at 33 years old anymore. So maybe he is just looking for a little sprinkle on top, but it's it's definitely a weird position, especially in a you know kind of loaded defend, defensive front core now that you got Keon White in there too. Yeah. So uh, is that all it from roster moves, absences? There were, uh, I mean, like Kayshawn Booty was absent. He yeah. missed the last OTAs. Um, He's probably dealing with an injury. He's a guy that could be headed right to a Foxborough flu, <laughs> right to a Foxborough flu, a yeah. red shirt. I thought it was interesting. Bryce Berenger comes out with the, the dark visor face shield, right? And then I guess he, so you were in there. He told reporters that he's dealing with something that he's working on with the medical staff. So he was asked if it was a prescription visor because he usually wears the, the spec glass goggles. Which right, you can say rec specs. That's fine. Rec, you can say rec specs on the show. The words slipped. <laughs> I forgot it. <laughs> but um, he wasn't wearing that. And it, it looked like he almost got like poked in the eye two and he missed the last two OTA practices. So he hinted that the visor was something that came from talking with doctors, talking with coaches. And he said it wasn't going to be permanent and he didn't punt today. It was all Corliss Waitman. So it looked like he might've been dealing with an injury there. I wonder if you, so you say that with the visors and talking to doctors, sometimes if guys get poked in the eye, if they have an eye issue, they'll add a visor. I go back to years ago, Brad Johnson, get it when he was with the bucks getting poked in the eye in a playoff game. This is when visors were not popular at all. He was like one of the first quarterbacks the, <laughs> to like, wear like the clear vi- I know Jim McMahon did the shaded one, but like it looked really, that was the thing. He got poked in the eye. He needed the protection. I wonder if it was something like that. And he decided, you know what? I'm going to be swaggy. Give me the tinted <laughs> one instead of the clear one. Right. But I, um, yeah, I, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Cause like you said, it was all Waitman today and, and that's obviously competition. And, Will Beringer get back to punting, or is he another guy that could be a Foxborough flu guy? Mm-hmm. Although I will say, Waitman, just from the start of OTAs to now, Waitman looks much better. Uh, he was, was all was. over the place in the first OTA, and he was super consistent today. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, he's been I – mean, we talked about him a lot last show, but he was impressive again today. And the spin on the ball, he's a lefty, so the spin is – pretty it's challenging for those uh punt returners they have well, some issues with it so what i would say the the reason the patriots don't exclusively sign lefty punters anymore is these guys have become so advanced so good at it yeah well you can so the specific reason with the lefties like the ball spins on the opposite axis there are now guys who are righty punters who can get the ball to spin as if they were lefty mm-hmm. so if you get a guy who can do that you don't need necessarily a lefty punter all right, well, before we get into minicamp, there was a little DeAndre Hopkins news while you read that oh. from Jordan Schultz. Uh, I would like, I do want to remind everybody that this show is brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com backslash Boston to join today. Baseball is a fun one to bet on because there's games every single day, right? You can kind of, you can really follow this, those trends. Not a lot of time for teams to eat up. It's not a lot of time for teams to cool down. Um, and you can really start to play not just the, the spread, but the odds on it. Uh, I, I think more so than any other sport 
baseball's odds lend itself to, to having some fun there. So don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com backslash Boston to sign up FanDuel official partner of major league baseball, major league baseball trademarks used with permission 21 plus in present Massachusetts. First online real money wager only $10 deposit required refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com backslash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it, play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. DeAndre Hopkins had a successful visit with the Titans and both sides will remain in contact. He's expected to visit the Patriots and there's a chance he may schedule more visits as well. So it sounds like he left Tennessee without a deal and he is coming to Foxborough. So they might have their chance here to not let him leave without a contract. That is all agents speak for. He didn't get the money he wanted from the Titans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he went out. And the Titans didn't give him what he wanted. And he, they said, all right, well, you know, think about our offer. We'll be in touch. And now his agent's saying, oh, no, he's, you know, he's not going to diss the Titans. It's a good visit, but he's going to move on. He's good. You know, he, it's not just the Patriots. He might take other offers. Like you want him to consider your offer. He has a lot to consider. Keep that in mind. So I would call that certainly an encouraging development for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Now, if we get the same report, after visits with the Patriots, <laughs> that's, that's not great. So, so I'm I'm trying to uh, find this right now. There it is. Evan actually just texted it to me. Oh, and he released it as like a statement to. Oh no, that's just Jordan Schultz doing a graphic. Um, yeah. it didn't give a date for the visit with the visit, Patriots. No. Okay, that was the that was the one thing I was going to ask. Okay, uh, yeah. Again, I would call that for the Patriots. I'd, I'd call that a good sign. And he could come here now with. The, that Titans offer, like as maybe, I don't want to say baseline because he obviously would have accepted it. If no, because it, it says match. You have to match at least yeah. this. Yeah, he says go above this, and if it's good enough for him to not take visits with other teams, then he doesn't leave the building, and that's exactly what you want for the Patriots. Yeah. So I again, I'd call that a good sign. Now I want to know when this meeting is. Yeah. Because that's a big question. And also because I have a whole golf day on Saturday and I am so ready for them to sign him as I step into the first tee box. So ready for that. Right when you tee off, you'll get the Adam Schefter breaking news. Yeah, just in the backswing, I hear the little notification. What was that? Someone just said in the chat, it's Tom Pelissero said Thursday. I don't know if... I'll check that. Uh, I haven't seen that. but, But we can transition into... What took place on the field today with the wide receivers short again with no Juju, no Taekwon. It was the tight end show again. It was Mike Kosicki, Hunter Henry, a lot of 12 personnel. And these guys just get peppered with targets when Mac Jones is under center. I, I tracked one 11 on 11 period just because I wanted to see. And they ran seven plays and they got four targets. So they're getting a good chunk of these plays and targets pretty consistently every time we we're out there watching them and whether this is just you know a fallout from the missing receivers or whether they're really going to you know lean on this 12 personnel this year it looks like that duo is is going to be busy sorry i was looking up the pelicero thing who we talking about. <laughs> did you find anything no I, i'm not sure where that came from 
All right. So scratch that. But uh, yeah, I just said Gasicki and Hunter Henry still just going strong together on the field of tongue. Yeah, I, I do think those guys are going to be a big part of what they do. And it, it goes back to sort of what we saw in OTAs. It's not just that the two of them are out there together, but the ways they're using Gasicki, I mean, they're not using him like a traditional tight end, which is what we expected. But there, and, and I'll just add to that. Another guy that was really involved today was Ty Montgomery. Yep. And Montgomery. From receiver too. Yeah. So he played, he played, you know, split his reps at running back and receiver, which is what we've seen now in a few practices. And I think you're kind of creating a situation here where if you go into the huddle, I mean, let's just call it Parker. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves on Hopkins. Parker, <laughs> Bourne or Thornton and Schuster, you three wide receivers, right? And then, no, it can't be. Sorry, it can't be that. Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Kosicki, Hunter Henry, Ty Montgomery. Let's say you come out with those five in the huddle. Are you in 11? Are you in 10? No. Are you in 01? Are you in 12? Right? Like, you know, there's, it, you can do all these, we're like, put Mike Kosicki in back, uh, put Ty Montgomery in the backfield. You motion him out. If they're in man, who follows him? Is it a running back? Is, is it a, well, I'm so tired. It's a long day on the sun. Is yeah, it a sun linebacker? <laughs> is it a corner that you can see? I got all burnt. Is it a linebacker? Is it a corner? that follows him out to the boundary, right? You could do the same things with Kasicki, shift him. How does that impact the linebackers, the safeties? Like they're, I don't want to say positionless offense because that's probably going a step too far. But we heard Bill talk about it and there's quotes. And I, I wrote about this back when they signed Kasicki on 98.5sportsup.com. Bill talked about when you played the Dolphins and he was on the field. He's a big receiver. You were kind of guessing in terms of how to match that with personnel. Now you can do that with Ty Montgomery as a hybrid receiver running back. They're setting up to get real creative, real tricky on offense, and I like it. And it's like the Bill O'Brien like philosophy. Get these guys and find just find your mismatch and pick your mismatch part. And that's kind of what they've been doing. And another Bill O'Brien thing, attacking the middle of the field, and that's where the offense has kind of been centered on and, and focused on. And if they can have all these, whether you want to, 01 or 11 or 12 or whatever it is, and defenses don't know how to match that, there's going to be a mismatch somewhere on the field that they should be able to exploit. Right. And again, and like you said, that's what the O'Brien offense is. Right? That That's what you get. That's what the O'Brien offense is. It gets a line. Because you can't, no matter how good a defense is, 2,000 Ravens, 2,002 Bucks, 04 Patriots, no matter how good a defense is, you can't cover everything. Get to the line, figure out what the defense is designed to stop, you're going to have something called to beat everything. Check to that call and go. And the way you're, they're structuring it, exactly like you just said, it's going to allow them some more freedom to do that. And another part of O'Brien's offense is a lot of tempo. And I don't know if you've noticed, but it feels like once or twice every practice, they'll get to the line and Mac Jones's cadence will draw someone off sides. Yeah, he's you done got, a really good job of that. You got uh, Carl Davis today on a lap, false start. And that's just something it, like every single practice we're seeing that. And, and, you know, that's if they're running this tempo, that that's something that, you know, could be noteworthy here as we get into games. You see like Rogers do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. definitely agree. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the offense, it was, wasn't that competitive today on the field. It was up and down. They had some good moments. It was a, 
funky two-minute drill at the end or the offense was going at a walkthrough pace and the defense kind of dialed it up and picked Mac Jones off two times and he was yelling at him. But, you know, just, again, non-padded, no contact. They had a few good plays early. Um, and Mac talked about this too. The, the defense, which we'll get to, is so good and they were familiar with each other and they can scheme a lot of stuff up. He was talking about, you know, Steve Belichick is sitting in there drawing up plays that look like other things. And they had a few, they threw a few blitzes at him today and they had some good answers. They hit Parker on a, on a quick one and they had a nice design play to Kendrick Bourne across the middle, which would have been a touchdown. So again, we want to see it in a live pocket, but Mac was bad last year against pressure. And if O'Brien can help him get some of those answers, even pre-snap, like that play to born today, that could be a good move going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So any other offensive details? So they, we're going through it at right guard now, right? Michael, when who hasn't been mm -hmm. practicing, it was Antonio Mafi. He actually looked good. And then he comes out, he's in a red contact, uh, non-contact Jersey today for the first time this spring. So you saw Jake Andrews, Bill Murray there. Bill Murray might have an outside shot to make this team. I still have him off, but. We know they like him. They've kept him around. He's going to be on the practice squad. Yeah. But they're giving him like real reps. They're really giving him a shot to kind of eke out a spot here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's been first up pretty consistently at that yeah. right guard spot. And obviously, on when they will come, come back and, and take right, over, right. but they, they're giving him these reps right now. So they obviously like him. And the only other offensive note I had is. Henry and Gasicki get a lot of the attention, rightfully so, but I thought that kind of third, if they're going to keep a third tight end, that kind of picked up today. Anthony Ferkser had a nice back shoulder catch in the end zone. Scotty Washington had a nice catch up the scene. Johnny Lumpkins involved. So they've kept two on the active roster, I think the last two years, and then a handful on the practice squad. But maybe one of these guys, you know, takes over and creates a spot for themselves on the 53. I still think, and, and look, there's a long way to go. Maybe one of them has a breakout preseason, but I still think they get all of them to the practice squad and they just elevate them yep. rotationally as needed. Just I as think that's doing. Right. I think that's ultimately what it's going to look like, but who knows? Maybe one of them does ball out. And, mm -hmm. and I liked what I've seen with like Lumpkin was the guy I wanted to watch because he gives them something they don't have otherwise. He gives them that big imposing presence as a blocker that Ferkser doesn't have and Sokol doesn't have. And Scotty Washington's big, but he's not as polished as a blocker. But it's not that Lumpkin's not a good receiver. He never did it at Louisiana. Like he, 16 catches was his career high last year. So I mean, there's really, like you can't get tape on him as a receiver. We're really going in this blind. So I've liked what I've seen from him as a receiver. That's not to say he's going to come out here and catch 50 balls this season, but. Is he far enough along for that role? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. Just like the – who's the tight end? Like Dwayne Allen? Am I thinking about that? Like so a Dwayne Allen role? or That one was weird. The Dwayne Allen role – but Dwayne Allen was like a good pass-catching tight end. They just never threw to him. Yeah, when he came in, like he was a pass-catcher almost. Well, not like he's still a good blocker, but they just never let him run routes basically. <laughs> right. No, the player I always compare him to – do you remember Mike Williams? who was a tackle in college. Oh, yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from Alabama, and they got him from Detroit. Like, that's the guy I think he just, Johnny Lumpkin is. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that's all I had offensively. Uh, do you want to jump to defense or? Yeah, let's do it. So today was basically their first time that we've seen. They've had their full secondary out there because there's always been at least one guy missing or limited. So they had them all today and they used all of them today. They were mixing and matching as we kind of expected them to. It was Christian Gonzalez, that top guy, but opposite of him and behind him at safety, they were really, really rotating those guys a lot. What I really liked was, and not just that, all right, so let me start here. We talk a lot this time of year about presumed starters and presumed backups, right? And you guys all know what we mean. You couldn't really do that with the defense today because there were even times, I mean, the whole defense, like, because, and sometimes you go, all right, well, it's, you know, first team offense, first team defense, you match it, but you have Matthew Judon out there with Joshua Bledsoe at safety, right? With coming oh, on for yeah. that second, you know what yeah. I mean? So they really were mixing and matching everything. There was no first team, second team. Everybody was kind of playing with everybody. But the one thing I really liked, and I hope this is here to stay, is in a number of different permutations. They had Christian Gonzalez, Jonathan Jones, Jack Jones, and Marcus Jones all on the field at the same time. Now, some of that was with Jonathan Jones in the slot. Some of that was with Jonathan Jones playing safety. Um, some of it, I think there were a couple snaps where, uh, Mark Jones played safety, like re and, and really it's, it's Jonathan Jones, Jack Jones, Christian Gonzalez. Those are your three best corners, M three, your best defensive backs, figure out a way to get those three guys on the field at all times. And the thing is, even if that is taking Jonathan Jones out of the corner position, when you play him at deep safety, that's mostly been Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips, not exclusively, but I would say they've gotten the majority of the snaps back there to this point. You get to put those guys back in the box where they're at their best. So I, I love the idea of getting those three guys on the field together. And you, again, you can do it all different ways, do it all the different ways, throw every alignment at them. Uh, George Balecki from Ness. And I was talking to him today during practice and he called it the UFO defense because <laughs> you have no idea what you're looking at. You can't even tell what shape it is. And, you know, one snap, this guy's the boundary corner. And then the next step, nap, he's the box safety. And then he's the slot corner. And then he's the free safety. And that, so like you can, they need to take advantage of that as much as possible. And I thought today was maybe the first step in starting to do that. It, it is confusing to watch whether it's like, first off, you don't know if it's first or second team because it's like Kyle Duggar's on this field and, Christian Gonzalez is on the other field. Like you don't know. And then that rotation, you don't know where these guys are lining up. They even had Christian Gonzalez in the slot, I think for a few times today. And yeah. It's just, and they're familiar with each other. That's something like, cause you brought everyone back. You brought this coaching staff back. They're really going to be able to scheme things up. And a Bill Belichick defense is always a, you know, a complex scheme, but they're really going to be able to run some, you know, spin the dial a lot if the communication on the back end is set without right. Devin McCourty. That seems like the big if. And maybe that is John Jones because he's been here so long, but that seems like really the only thing that could slow them down at this point. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And Marte Mapo was safety again today. He in 
we're just going to keep saying it because he keeps standing out, but he's just huh. continues to be impressive. It's still non-contact red Jersey, but he's just impressive all over the field. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record at this no. point, but <laughs> we just, he's he just so good. <laughs> it's that same thing. Like I need to see with contact. Now I need to see him do it when these guys are hitting and there's full pads on, but if he's doing that, they've really got something here. Mm-hmm. And Judon was back, right? He's maybe a guy, his production, maybe you could argue he was underpaid. And, you know, he's been the big standout from that high spending class, but he was out there today. So that looks, you know, doesn't look like any issues on that from a contract or a holdout perspective. So good to see him back on the defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. I I saw some people wondering about his absence. Like he, he does that. Kind of just do that. Yeah, it's fine. So I, I wasn't too worried about that. Yeah. I don't has he been to like an OTA since he I was him? trying to find it. I was trying to find that yesterday. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he hasn't. Like I have this vague memory of him being at one in 21, but I'm pretty sure it was a mini camp then. First I'm sign. Yeah. 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 I don't that wasn't much concern, but you could make an argument he's underpaid, but he was here, so no issue there. But that the secondary seemed like the big story of the the day defensively. Yeah, so, I would say the the secondary and just the attendance as a whole with Trent Brown and Lawrence Guy and and the receivers. Yep. So, so do you have any like anything else on that side of the ball? No, no. And then special teams. We touched on the whole Barringer situation. Waitman was performing well and i mentioned this the other day but jordan helig yes yes i wanted he, to talk about this yeah he is like only working directly with matthew slater and cam Acord off to the side throughout the entire practice and that is something we have seen from brendan schooler from demarcus mitchell from christian wilkerson who are guys who made the team so maybe jordan helig udfa just put a pin in that one for now. <laughs> I'm with you on that. And it's kind of that thing where we can't find anybody else who's going to extend this UDFA streak. Like Malik Cunningham, we thought maybe, but that new quarterback rule doesn't help him a ton, especially since they've more or less designated him, like done everything but designated him as a wide receiver at this point. Johnny Lumpkin, I just said, it feels like they're going to maybe rotate guy, uh, rotate guys off the practice squad. Ed Lee and Justice Tavai, I don't think are quite there yet. Ed Lee's made some impressive plays here, but he's not going to make, they have so many wide receivers. He's not yeah. going to make the roster. He's a practice squad guy. And Jordan Healy, he's always been a special teamer. Like he grew up in this. This is not a guy that you're converting to special teams. that has to learn it. Like last year, Brandon Schooler played wide receiver and safety, and he did some special teams things too, but he wasn't as immersed in it. Demarcus Mitchell was a pass rusher. He did play a little bit on special teams, but he wasn't as immersed in it. Jordan Healy played 40 snaps defensively in three years at Appalachian State. He was a pure special teamer. I have to think that they like that. Yeah, and, you know, they're remodeling that whole unit, kind of. So there's probably a – there could be a a spot for him. And the fact that he's in that role with Slater, with Cam Acord, that's a good start at this point of the offseason. Yeah. And then – Nick Folk was there. Chad Ryland was there. I think they only did one kicking thing at the, yeah. the skinny goal posts. Um, 
I think they would have made all of them, I believe. They, yeah, they, they missed a bunch that like they wouldn't have missed on a regular like, goal. Post, like so Jeff was... Smith, but yeah. Folk was up first. I don't know if you read into that at all, but eh, we gotta get to the preseason for that. Yeah. We gotta get to the preseason. You gotta see that. you gotta see um, that in, in live action and, and yeah. How it goes. But all right. That was pretty much it from you know, breaking down offense, defense, special teams, any other you know, thing that jumped out to you? No, but I do want to work a uh, Boston Sports Minute in here real quick. Okay. Because as everybody I think is blatantly aware, I'm pretty out on the Red Sox at this point. I'm frustrated with them. They are annoying the crap out of me, et cetera, et cetera. But, but they swept the Yankees last night. Or not swept the Yankees. They beat the Yankees in a series last night. They beat them in extra innings to take the series two to one. Say what you will about the Red Sox. They've had some low points this year. They haven't had a lose a series to the Red Sox low point. So anytime the Red Sox beat the Yankees like that, I'm going to take my victory lap. Uh, I I certainly hope this is kind of the, I don't want to say I hope this is the high point, but I hope this doesn't become false hope. I, I don't need them to have a deadline like they did last year where they, they, they go all in on fool's gold and they invest when they don't need to invest and things like that, right? Congratulations, you beat the Yankees. It's cute. It's nice. They should still be looking to sell at the deadline. They shouldn't be rushing Trevor Story back. They should not be thinking about calling Marcelo Mayer up this year and burning a year of team control on him for this team. Hopefully some morale boost for them and for Alex Cora because I don't want to see him leave, but it certainly seems like he's trying to shoot his way out of town, which, by the way, I don't blame him for doing. Alex Cora is kind of the Red Sox, but Mac Jones was to the Patriots last year. Yeah, yeah, he's probably not handling this situation great, I'm not really sure what I want him to do any more than what he's doing. Cause what he's being given, he was, it was, it's never going to work. There is no way he, regardless of how talented he is, nobody is talented enough at what he's being asked to do to make this situation work. So, but they beat the Yankees in a series. So that's fun. And you got to build off. You have the Rockies coming in now. So if you want to, no, build, no, like, don't build off it. Don't, don't. build off it. Cause <laughs> you have so, no, cause I've seen this movie before. They're gonna build. They're gonna build off it against so a, bunch buy of at the deadline. <laughs> a bunch of crap teams. They're gonna buy at the deadline. Heim Bloom's gonna make a bunch of stupid mistakes, and then the back half of the year, when they have all those divisional games, they get their asses whooped, and they're gonna finish six games out of a playoff spot. No, I've seen that movie. Don't build on it because it's not real. It's not gonna be real. It's the Celtics' potential comeback against the Heat was way more real than anything the Red Sox are gonna do this year. You're not going all in until Chris Sale comes back in August. Put you over. Oh, the we're, hump. we're counting on Chris Sale now. We're counting on Chris Sale again. Excellent, because that went so well the last five times they tried to freaking do that. There's another one. Yeah, you know we haven't done a show since Chris Sale went on no, the IL. We, we did it last time. Did we? I think. Yeah. Okay. You did your. You got your rant I, off. Last it's time. hard to keep track of because he goes on the IL so freaking off it. No, you know what it was. We did a show when he went on the IL. We haven't done a show since they moved him onto the sixty, the oh, sixty okay. day, and that we found it. out that this was like a legit injury because at the time we didn't know what it was. Mm. Put him in the bullpen when he comes back. He can't start. He doesn't have the durability for it. Stop trying to make this thing happen. They should use him like the Indians, uh, the Guardians, whatever. They were the Indians at the time. Used Andrew Miller. Two to three innings every three days. That should be Chris Sale. He can't start. He can't throw six or seven innings every five days. He can't throw 200 innings in a season. His He doesn't have the durability for it. You might, I, I, and I get people will say, well, you're paying them all that money. That's way too much money to pay a reliever. It is too much money to pay a reliever. 
But you know what else it is? It's way too much money to pay somebody who doesn't freaking play for you. You got to figure out a way to get them on the mound, period. And that's putting them in the bullpen. And you think for a team that loves all these pitchers who pitch like two or three innings, they might, they would just bite the bullet and do that already. Yeah, that makes too much sense. They can't do that. They can't do that. It's too easy. No, you got to, you got to have the nerds come up with some new thing to, 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 uh, you know, revolutionize the game. I was talking to some friends over the weekend and we were kind of joking around about this. Like, what's next with the nerds? Take your worst hitter, put him lead off. And then after the first half out of the game, you have him out of the way. You don't have to deal with him again for like three innings. <laughs> I'm not endorsing that. It makes no sense, but it makes as much sense as some of the other crap the Red Sox try to do. So, yeah, they're interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a very polite way to put it. All right. There's your, uh, oh, actually, hang on. We can, we can fit a, a quick uh, college football minute in here too. James Franklin was at Patriots practice today, head coach of Penn State. Yeah, he was Bill and his defensive coordinator, I believe. I might have missed that. I just saw James Franklin. He was with some staffers. I thought someone okay. said it was his defensive coordinator, but yeah, James Franklin. Sometimes they bring staffers, head coaches yeah. bring staffers to observe. Uh, Bill Belichick hasn't drafted a Penn State player since 2009. It was Rich Ornberger in the fourth round, fifth round, uh, offensive guard. It's the only Penn State player Bill Belichick has ever drafted. Maybe building a relationship because I'll tell you this, Brian. One tackle is going to be the biggest need for the Patriots next year in the draft, more likely than not. Yeah, right? I think we all agree on that. Top tackle, uh, or one the projected one of the, top tackle. What? So some people still have Joe Alt from Notre Dame, but yeah, consensus first round top fifteen tackle. Oh, I, and I'm going to guess on this. I'll have it by the end of the season. I promise you. <laughs> Olamuia. Fashanu, Olamuia Fashanu was supposed to be a first round pick in the draft this year. This past year, everybody was shocked that he went back to school. So maybe Bill getting getting ahead of things there. But there, there's the college. And they have Gasicki and McSorley on the roster who played yeah. on Franklin. And I just looked it up. It was um, DC Manny Diaz and. Andrew Callahan had this. It was DC Manny Diaz and Frank Leonard, who was a Penn State analyst and a expatriate scout. So yeah, maybe uh is that like University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz? Remember when he was supposed to save sure. GU? <laughs> that sounds familiar, but I don't he just said defensive coordinator Manny Diaz. So I mean it probably is Manny. yeah. It is. Man so Manny Diaz was the coach before um who did they just replace him with? Uh, he he was in between Mark Richt and I forget the new guy's name. The guy now who I like who who came from Oregon. Uh, uh, this is gonna be fucked. Yeah. Mario Cristobal. That's it. Yep. <laughs> who I do like Manny Diaz. I, I was never that big on Manny Diaz. Very very uh, notable place in football history. Do you know what? Um, uh, we, we're talking about revolutionizing the game. You know, he added to the game of football pretty much just at the college level. I don't think this exists in the NFL, but you know what his big innovation was in the game of football? I don't Manny think Diaz. so. He was the head coach at Miami when they instituted the turnover chain. Oh, that Paul so we that you killed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were trying to think of like some sort of defensive I, alignment or something. I thought it was going to be something much more advanced. And turning. No, you're new to the show. You'll get it. It's always going to be some nonsense when I do something I, like that. I like that. Turnover I like chain. that more. <laughs> okay. Turnover chain. So there you go. All right. There's college football minute for you. All right. 
So that'll do it for this edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast. The Patriots will be back for day two of mandatory minicamp tomorrow. We will have a show for you sometime tomorrow, so put your Patriots press pass notifications on to know when we go live. Until then, you can follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Read his recap from today at 985thesportshub.com. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines. Read my recap from today at patspulpit.com. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you guys tomorrow.